Well, good morning to all of our friends who are with us online today. And uh, whether you're with us live right now on uh, Facebook or YouTube or ccmonline.org, maybe you're joining us later on this afternoon, or if you're on the podcast with us, we're so grateful that you're with us and part of our community here this Sunday. Uh, Don't forget, we'll be receiving communion together. Uh, Pastor Claire, Pastor Scott will be leading us in that at the uh, the end of the message. So uh, make sure that you get your elements ready and we'll receive communion together. AJ, will you guys come up and read the scripture? Um, You know, there are some people you can just bother at the last minute, and you know that they'll still love you tomorrow, (laughs) right? And uh, and so that is a gift. Can you guys say thank you to people who will do that? Yeah. And don't worry, I would never do it to you (laughs) unless we had already had that conversation about doing that to you. Right? Tell, tell them it's true. It, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I said yes for Hannah, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to plug this in. 
And then I'm going to click presenter view if I can see it. And then I'm going to count on God. <laughs> amen. Amen, amen. So we're in Luke chapter 15 today, and it is the entire passage. So I'm going to invite you to consider what God is um, saying to you. So if you have a pen and paper, or maybe write in your Bible, you want to, you know, write something down, or, you know, on your, your little phone that you read your Bible, um, I just want us to listen for the word that God is speaking to each of us today. So listen to this great word from the Gospel of Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So just for a moment, go ahead and write down anything that might have stood out for you. Something that got your attention. Something that shimmered for you or disturbed you a little bit. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So take another breath and just notice what stood out for you here. What seems to be calling your name at the moment. Then Jesus said, There is a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything... A severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am, dying of hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. So let's take another break here and just notice what seems to be what you need to hear on this day.
while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. We'll take another moment here. How does this passage strike you or invite you? Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. Just take a moment to notice how this part of the story is affecting you. He answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with women, you killed the fatted calf for him. Just take a moment there and be with the son's response to his father. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. So let's just pray for a moment and hear the word of God for us. Maybe you could say with me, this is God's word for us. This is God's word for me. Let's try that again. This is God's word for us. This is God's word for me. Thank God. This is the pearl of parables, um, many would say, and I, I want to agree Uh, I want to say that I love that during Lent, we spend time with this parable having to do with the word confession. Can you all say confession? So confession is not a really popular word, right? Like, who do you confess to? I just want you to think for a minute. Who is your confessor? Like, who can you tell your story to? Just bring that person fully in your mind. Who can hear your story and you know you're loved? Confession is a part of the practice of our faith because um, sometimes we've been careless. Has anybody ever noticed that? Could you say that there are days in your life where you you could say, "I I could care less? I could care less. Can you just, can I, let me hear it in your tone of voice. I could care less. (laughs) however you say it. You might say it really flat, I could care less. You know, other people might be like, I could care less. And you're like, really? I think you care. (laughs) Methinks thou dost protest too much. 
There are ways and um, that we have cared less in our life, all of us. Can everybody say hi? My name is right? Because this is, this is our crew right here that we can confess where we have said, I could care less. And then if you realize that that caring less is the gift to bring you into confession, then you can have a celebration. So here's my three C's. Care less, confess, and celebrate. Care less, confess, and celebrate. If you want to put it all in the right tense, do your thing. One of the things I love about Jesus is when the Pharisees are saying stuff about him, saying all kinds of things about him, Jesus doesn't say, I could care less. He says, let me tell you a parable. You know, when, when, um, when people who are not the people you would confess to because you feel judged or you feel diminished or you feel like there would never be a celebration for you with that person, right? You might not say, just let me tell you a parable. But this is Jesus. I, I'm, I'm fascinated with the way Jesus walks with us. And walks with us when we are so judgmental. You know, um, we don't think we're judgmental, but we all have a brand of things we judge. Right? There's some things that, that we judge that other people don't judge, but they don't judge the things you judge. But all of us, here come the judge. Everybody remember that? No, only the old people. Here come the judge. Right? Is that Flip Wilson on laughing? I know. I am... I am 60, and I'm proud of it. And Jesus would say, so he told them this parable. I love what Jesus does here. He takes the lost lamb that was this lost lamb out of the pen of a working man. He talks about a lost coin out of the house of a working woman and then talks about lost boys, pigs in the pen who squander and wander, and pride in the pod that stay home and groan and moan. And let's find some other words to write a song. (laughs) Two lost sons, one moaning in the house and one squandering and wandering. Both lost, both lost boys. I love that Jesus chooses people. And, you know, if you've done any kind of Bible study, you probably have heard um, that shepherds were some of the lowest caste people in society. And yet other scholars say that is not true. So... Everybody just say, well, that's interesting, <laughs> right? So, but what we do know is that the shepherd was a working shepherd. This was a working person, right? This was not somebody living in a palace, having food delivered. This was a guy who got in the muck and the mire with the lambs, you know, dealt with all of you know what, you, you know, all the time. This was the job. It was a stinky, smelly job. So we can't sanitize that. We, we might say that some scholars who think that a shepherd was a very honored job because Jesus is the good shepherd and Moses was a shepherd and Abraham was a shepherd and then there were shepherd women that I don't know what their names are. What are they? Well, David was a shepherd, but now I'm talking about the women who don't get a name. But they were shepherds too, Right? So what we realize is that there were shepherds that were good shepherds, and, and so that's okay. I don't have to argue about that. Do you guys, don't you love that you don't have to argue about the Bible with people? You can just say, that's interesting. You know, I've heard that shepherds were the lowest caste, and oh, I've heard that shepherds were really awesome because Jesus himself was a good shepherd. Isn't that interesting? And so we can just enjoy the movement of the story of Jesus saying, I'm going to talk about a a working dude, and then a working woman, because she had 10 coins in her house. It doesn't mention anything about a man who was taking care of her. She was looking for her own money, her own drachma. And one drachma was typically the amount that a person made in one day. It was a full day's wage. So if you lost a full day's wage, you'd be looking too, right? You'd be sweeping and a-looking and a-looking and a-sweeping, until you found that thing. And, and I love that God is so good to us by saying, 
I am not going to even answer why I hang out with the people I hang out with. I'm just going to start naming people I like. There's a shepherd, there's a woman, there's two sons, one's like this, one's like that, and they were raised by the same dad. So by the way, um, just because you have a sibling doesn't mean you're like them. Has anybody ever noticed that? Yeah, like everybody all in one house, and you go, who is that person? Right? And so, but what we do know is that we all get lost. We all get lost. And if you've ever been camping with your kids, you've probably told your kids what what to do if they get lost in the woods. Right? Stand still, because the trees and the bushes know right where they are. And breathe. Anyway, I don't camp, so I can't tell you the whole thing, but I know that's the beginning of it. But what I realize is that we too quickly put people in categories of of sinner and saint. Why does Jesus hang out with those people, right? We too quickly want to put people in categories. Here's four of my interesting women that I've been looking at during Women's History Month. And I know they probably need no explanation, you know, uh, what do you say? Uh, Explanation, right? And no invitation. Because Harriet Tubman, did did anybody see Harriet, the movie? What a movie! Is that a great movie or what? So Harriet Tubman, of course, was born a slave and she escaped. And she ended up helping about 70 people escape through the Underground Railroad. And then worked later with the women's suffrage movement to give women the right to vote. I mean, she, she was a phenom. And then if you, if you listen to some people, they think she was not completely well because she had a concussion and she had dizzy spells. And, but other people would say she had visions. And she would have these visions to go to know where to go to get a slave, to bring a slave home. And I don't know why we have to diminish visions, by the way, visions and dreams. They're all over the Bible, so ask Jesus for one this week. You know, I don't know that you'll get one, but just ask. I mean, you know, if there's something that I could know, God, in my subconscious, you know, when I'm not defended, because when you're awake, you're all up in it and defended when God's trying to talk. But when you go to sleep... Or if God gives you a vision, all of a sudden, it's, you know, God's up to something. And you might look at Whitney Houston next to her and say, was she a sinner or a saint? Well, I don't know if you've listened to any of her um, music. She, she's got a transcendent voice um, that does something for me, maybe not for you. And I see, I see the gift of God in her. Um, I mean, she's in heaven now, so you can really see it. But not everybody could see it every day, even though she said, I pray every day, and I'm not the strongest every day, and I'm not the weakest either. I know I'm a child of God. And she talked to many interviewers about her struggle with addiction. And and my friends, you know, if you know anything about trauma, you don't say what's wrong with you, you say what happened to you. Can you all say that with me? What happened to you? Instead of looking at someone who has something that you might want to judge, we might, instead of saying what's wrong with you, say, what happened to you? And fortunately, she had some trusted people in her life that could actually still see her as a sinner, saint, saint, sinner, loved God, needed help person like you and me. Or then there's Lady Diana. You know, a lot of people have done documentaries and books about her, and depending on who who the person that's doing it, you find out whether or not they think she's a sinner or a saint. But all I know about her is that she worked with the leprosy uh, mission and the National AIDS Trust and the Hospital for Sick Children. if If you look at her life and you hear the things that she said, she said she knew that she was born to serve the poor. Isn't that something? And so while she was taking Mediterranean vacation, she was serving the poor too, here and there, both sinner and saint. And then, of course, Mother Teresa. I can't remember. If Scott was here, the other half of my brain, he'd be able to tell me what it is. But um, we were watching Bill Maher talk about Mother Teresa 
and about the dark night of the soul and that she must have been a hypocrite because it's her book talks about what a dark night she lived through. And so, okay, so that cancels out that she lived her life seeking to love God and to love people. We're all lost, my friends, when we put ourselves in the place where we decide who's in, who's out, who is sinner, who is saint. Kierkegaard said it this way, a saint is someone who can will the one thing. I think that's really interesting because even Mother Teresa, you know, um, she, you know, she willed the one thing to work with the poor, but that didn't mean her life was one-dimensional. And, and sometimes I think that we lose our ability to see ourselves as saints and to seek what is lost just by what we've done that has been outside the pen or inside the pen. I mean, it's true. You can't multitask. It's absolutely true. It's a lie. Everybody say that's a lie. They actually say like less than 2% of people are what are called uber-taskers. But you cannot multitask. You will focus on one thing or another. This week on, um, on Brené Brown's uh, podcast, she talked with a guy, Dr. Amishi Ja, And he said this, your attention can be like a flashlight where you point it, it becomes brighter, highlighted, more salient. Multitasking, or more specifically, task switching, is terrible for our performance, accuracy, and mood. You only have one flashlight, not two, not three, and your one flashlight can only ever be shining at one thing at a time. In a day when you do a lot of task switching, you'll start having less integrity in any of the states your attention is in. You're going to become slower, more error-prone, and emotionally wore down. So I think sometimes when we have gotten lost, it's because we were multitasking and didn't have a single light in our life that was helping guide the way. I don't know. When we're careless, we have disordered attachments and addictions. We are bound and unfree. Confession and turnarounds, repentance, bring inward freedom and celebration. So I don't know if you would name your story as a squander, sloppy agape, or a stay-at-home judge and jury. I love that John the baptizer said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sometimes you just need a repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And other times you need, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them, so he told him a parable. Not repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but took the time to tell a story where everybody could find themselves as one of the lost ones. The Pharisees were the stay-at-home son, judging and moaning and groaning, while the other brother was the squanderer, the wanderer like the sheep. But I love Romans 2.4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, tolerance, and patience, not knowing that the goodness of God is what leads you to repentance? The goodness of God, the compassion of God, the kindness of God, the getting to know yourself as God knows you, like the father of the one who ran home. Like this is God. This is God. Not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow and next week and next year. This is the posture of God. Whether you're a, you know, you're a stay-at-home sinner or you're a wanderer. Right? This is God. I almost showed you a movie today, but then I repented. Because I was about to show you a movie of something that I don't, that I hate. When people talk about other people. And then I thought, but then I'd be talking about that person. So it's going to hit the cutting room floor. And I think this time in Lent, what Linda gave us, Jesus went off into the wilderness where he spent 40 days asking himself the question, what it meant to be Jesus. 
and during Lent, we are supposed to ask what it means to be ourselves. Are you a stay-at-home sinner or a wanderer? Have you ever felt lost or forgotten or unseen by the ones you love or who you expected to love you back? Like this brother, wouldn't you think the young brother, he's thinking his big bro is going to say, come on, right? Right? But then I wonder, is there a sin to confess or forgiveness you can offer? I don't want to say what's wrong with the older brother. I want to say what happened to the older brother. What happened between the brothers? Is there a sin to confess or forgiveness you can offer? And who do you need to confess to besides God? I mean, I love that we, he, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I'll tell you what Protestants are missing is the sacrament of confession unless they purposely put it in place. I used to love, I wanted to die every Thursday after I confessed because I knew I'd go right to heaven. I'd go and bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And, and I want to say that I think it's a beautiful practice, but do you know you have that practice on the regular? Mickey and Linda, you could confess to each other today. Right? Isn't that awesome? Don't you love it? Griff and Jacqueline, you guys could confess to each other today. Confess your sins to one another, and you will be healed. Like, there's healing that comes if Teshna and Taneka will confess to each other and say, here is where I wronged you. Here is where I held wrong against you. Here's where I judged you. Here's where I felt judged by you. A lot of times what happens is we just are not experiencing the freedom God has for us is because we could care less and we haven't confessed, and so there's no room for a celebration. And when I think about the fact that we could confess to one another, even right now as we stand, I mean, I'm not going to make you do it individually. I'm, we're going to do a corporate confession together, and we're going to receive healing from God. When I think about the gift of Lent, you know, people give up smoking and drinking and chewing and hanging around with those that doing, right? Or they decide that they're going to not watch this or they're not going to go there or they're not going to say this. I think it's wonderful. But then when you come out of your own private prayer closet, there's some people we need to talk to and confess to each other the ways we've wounded our own life and the lives of other people because healing comes. It's a phenomenal gift from heaven. So I'm going to invite us to pray, and we're going to do this kind of what's called an antiphon prayer. We're right down the middle of the cross, so take a look at which side of the cross you're on and then stand over like this-ish so that you can see that. And then the other half of the room can stand over like that. And I want to say to us, let us confess to the ways we get lost and fall asleep to God's loving presence within us. And we'll begin with my right. And we'll read to you, and then Jess, you're the left, and you'll read to us. When I insist that my way is the only right way, when I judge, criticize myself and others, and choose resentment, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. When I believe that only I understand love, how to care for others, and only I can take care of people and make things better, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home.
When I think that only I can run things best and see others as incompetent and slowing down the process, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. When I cling to feeling sad, alone, misunderstood, and believe only I understand what is meaningful, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. When I store up all I know and need, detach from others, and withdraw inside to watch, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. When my overthinking leads to misreading and mistrusting others, and when I so rely on outer authority that I lose my inner authority, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. When I prosecute, bully, or judge others based on my version of the truth, when I compete or cut others off to maintain power and control, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. When I multitask, choose short-term pleasure, and refuse to acknowledge the pain in me and around me. It is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. Let's... Look at this. We forgot the nine. We're so surprised. Those who know... What I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to say it. When I fall asleep to my own desire and numb out to my own passion for the world, it is then I lose my way. God, help me come home. Let's pray together. Psalm 32. Happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is put away. Happy are they to whom the Lord imputes no guilt and in whose spirit there is no guile. While I held my tongue, my bones withered away because of my groaning all day long. For your hand was heavy upon me day and night. My moisture was dried up is in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Then you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore, all the faithful will make their prayers to you in time of trouble. And when the great waters overflow, they shall not reach them. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And even in this moment, we're just going to be aware of our own need to confess. Maybe some of those words stood out for you. Maybe you need your own here. So in your own heart, let's rely on the amazing grace of God. someone have communion they can share with me will you and Neil share a cup thank you so much Karen I'm just going to invite you to open or gather your communion supplies and as you're holding Brad, would you just remember what the, the bread meant to Jesus for you? 
On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, broke it, and said, this is my body broken for you. And every time, every time you eat, remember, remember me. Jesus, as we eat this bread, we remember the times you have welcomed us with open arms and the times that we have been the arms for other people. And may it be true again. Together. After supper was ended, Jesus took the cup, lifted it, gave thanks, and said, Take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant. It, w- it is my blood which is shed for you and for all people so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink, remember me. Together, we drink the cup. places where you have lost your way, you've lost faith, you've lost hope, you've lost love, and maybe even think you've lost God. And God is saying to you today, you cannot lose me. You're engraven upon the palm of my hand. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, 
and I knew all your days before there was yet one of them. One day of danger, one day of toil, one day of tripping. of God in that person where you felt like you weren't longing for mercy but for justice and maybe you could even ask God oh God in justice teach me to long for mercy and in mercy teach me to long for justice bring that person right here into your consciousness as much as you're able don't do anything that you can't do here But allow God to let you see their story of danger, toil, and snare. Not what's wrong with them, but what happened to them. Through many dangers told. Oh, help them come home, God. Help them come home to you.
from this place to be the arms of God wherever you intend. May we be contemporary witnesses of the outstretched arms to every lost person, including ourselves. Amen. Bless you all. Have a beautiful, beautiful week.